This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving members and protecting their health for 76 years. That's all the way back to 1947. Learn about our Tennessee roots at fbhp.com. With Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. So glad to have you. So glad to have you. It's good to be here. Glad to have the OT people and glad to talk with some more of our coaches. And really want to thank Mike Vrabel, who will be our guest on the OTP next week. Yes. So that's the July 4th edition of the OTP is with Mike Vrabel. But one of the things he did for us, we said, we had such a great conversation with Tim Kelly at the Combine. Could we do more of that? And he said, yes. Yeah, sure. I was like, okay. <laughs> I Easy it conversation. Would be, I thought it would be harder. <laughs> but he likes the official Titans podcast. He likes, Vrabel likes the OTP. He understands what it is. He's one of the OT people. Uh, you think? Sure. You think he listens? I like to think so. Well, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Don't ruin it uh, okay. <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, he's great, and he'll be on next week. And he, it, it's going to be variable, so it'll be a lot of fun. But we had a chance to sit down with some of the coaches, and last week on the OTP, you're to Anthony Levine and Low Locus, both new members of the staff. And this week, we start with Charles London who is the quarterback coach and the passing game coordinator. He comes from the Falcons. I've known Charles London for 12, 13 years. Wow. He was here as an offensive assistant back during the Munchak era. Okay. He shared an office with Arthur Smith. He was also here at roughly the same time as Jonathan Gannon, who's now the head coach. Of the Arizona Cardinals. Wow. So, Munch could pick him. Yeah. And Charles is, listen, he is on his way to being a head coach. He is, he's not as young as he looks because he got a late start in the business. And it's a remarkable story. Remarkable. But when he decided to coach, he has taken off from there and he is a really special guy. Yeah. You had a chance to meet him in Indianapolis. I have. I have. And he remembered me. Yeah. Which stunned me. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, it had been over a decade. And we used to talk, though. I mean, back in those days, you know, I'd see him in the lunchroom or whatever. And we'd have nice visits. And I was like, that guy's really sharp, you know. Yeah. And the players loved him. And But, yeah, he was happy to see you. And I was lucky enough to just be standing in the vicinity and got to meet him and have conversations with him and what a nice guy, super sharp, really oh. just and and just an engaging human yeah. to talk to. You get it. I want yeah. you to this is the Matt LaFleur thing. This is the Arthur Smith thing. I want you to listen to this interview, OT people, and see if you don't agree with me, because I think you will. But this is a future head coach. Charles London, Titans quarterback coach and passing game coordinator on the OTP. Charles, been a big 2023 for you already. You go to the Reese's Senior Bowl and get a chance to be an offensive coordinator down there. What was that like? Oh, it was great. It was a great experience. And I first had to thank the, the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Smith for nominating me to, to do that. And I was, I was really uh, honored to be selected. It was a great experience because um, I got to work with a whole bunch of the coaches from around the league that you don't know. So uh, a lot of our prep was done on Zoom and catching them up to speed about what we were going to do and the offensive plan and then getting down there and 
being able to do things that I've, that I've never done and doing it for the first time, scripting all the practices, calling the plays, doing all the installs. So it was a great experience. Uh, I met a lot of great guys and uh, the players were great. They were energetic. They came out there ready to work. So uh, it was a good experience for me. Did you get anybody here that you had in the senior bowl? Uh, Tajay Spears was on our team. Ah. Yeah, he was on our team. Man. So you had a little intel. Uh, I, I did have a little intel, and he brought a lot of energy and a lot of juice, as you can see out there as, he, as he's doing in practice now. But thought he was a really talented player, obviously. Um, was good in the receiving game. I thought he could run good routes. Um, obviously was a really talented runner. Had a big senior year there at Tulane. And I just like his attitude. I like the way he approached practice every day. And um, I'm really glad he's on our team now. Tough to leave Arthur Smith and come here. What was it about this opportunity that was so appealing? Well, I've always, I've always had a lot of respect for this organization. This is kind of my second stint here. I was here in uh, 2011 as well, so uh, very fond memories. But, uh, you know, the chance to work for Coach Rabel and to, to work with Tim Kelly again and a lot of guys on the offensive staff and defensive staff who well, I was familiar with had worked with, the, whether I was at Penn State or at Houston with the Texans. So um, just a really good opportunity. And, um, and I was just really excited about it and, um, you know, really excited with working with Braves and Timmy again. Especially about Tim and your relationship with him and the synergy that you have offensively. What's the real key to that in your mind? You know, I can, uh, you know, I, I know how Timmy thinks. You know, Timmy and I were together for, uh, you know, two years at Penn State and four years together at Houston. And obviously we've remained in touch since then. But uh, I understand what he's trying to do. I understand how he thinks. And I think early on I could help with some of the transition of the terminology about what he was trying to say or what this may have meant or how I could translate that from what maybe they know from what they knew last year to how I know Tim wanted to call it. So I could help bridge that gap there. And then, you know, my job here is the, the quarterback coach and passing coordinator is really to help support Tim to the best of my ability um, to help this team be successful and to help the quarterbacks be successful. What does the passing game coordinator do specifically? You know, really, and I, I see it as really, I try to help set the table for Tim. So, you know, Tim's got a lot of things on his plate. So I think going into the season, going to game week, I can try to come to him with, with early ideas of how maybe I should think we should attack him on first and second down or third down and kind of set the table for him then. And then he can sort of sort, sort through it and then bring his ideas as well and just try to help him keep the, keep the flow going and the train moving. Not long ago, you got to go to Minneapolis to the coaching accelerator. What was that experience like for you? It, it was good. It was my second year going. I went last year when it was in Atlanta as well. And I think it's a great opportunity just to network with your peers at a non-competitive football environment and uh, get a chance to meet different coaches from around the league and, and kind of, you know, exchange ideas with them. Um, and it's also really good. It's a rare opportunity to be in a room with all 32 owners. Like, I don't know how often that happens, and particularly for a person that's not a head coach. So... There's a, there's a social gathering uh, one night, it was Monday night, with, with all the owners. So every owner's there, and you have the chance just to kind of mingle and meet owners and, and just really let them get to know you as a person. And then the next morning, there's always an opportunity to eat breakfast with several owners. So it's kind of, we call it like speed dating, but you, you go to one table, and there's, there's two owners from a, from a team there, and you get a chance to just meet with them and eat breakfast and, and, and just talk and let them get to know you and let your personality show and they kind of blow the whistle and you're on to the next table. But um, it, it's really exciting. And I think the NFL is doing a, doing a really good job of trying to promote minority coaches and get guys out there in front of owners. You touched on your 2011 experience here. Yep. You were an offensive assistant during the lockout year. Correct. What was that like? It was, it was different. It was really crazy. I got hired during the combine. So I got hired the combine. So I started here probably early March. And um, Arthur Smith and I shared an office, that little office right there on the corner with no windows, more like a closet than an office. So we shared that office. And, 
And it was good because you're prepping like things you never knew when that lockout was going to end. So you're prepping, you're prepping, prepping. And then May and June comes and there's still no players. And so that was really a good time to get to know Arthur a little bit and get to know the other guys on the staff because it was more than just about football at that time. You know, it was all guys from all around and get to know each other a little bit. Then we show back up in the summer and there's still no players. So which, which was really odd Then all of a sudden the lockout's over. And two days later, you're right into practice. So it was a very unique experience. It was one that I won't forget. And um, you know, I always look back upon my first time here with fond memories. And that's why when I had the opportunity to come back here, I was really excited about it. And you got Matt Hasselbeck in there very late, which was something, I mean, that's the, one of the strangest seasons because you could beat the very best team in the league one week and then lose to the very worst team in the league the next week because everybody had been thrown together in such a crazy way. Right, yeah, every, you know, it just came together so fast and all of a sudden you were here, you're practicing and, and games were upon us. And, and that's exactly how our season went. It was, you know, the highs of highs, the lows of lows, and it came down to that last game of the year against Houston. Uh, we, won, we won the game and we thought potentially we had a chance to go to the playoffs, but the, things didn't fall our way with another game that had to happen. But uh, it was a very, very unique season and, you know, the players came in and it was really a testament to the players. They had to come in in shape and, you know, without having you know, been through all the off-season program, and we were putting in a whole new offense. So from there, we had to start and be like, okay, we had planned to do all this, but we've got two weeks for our first preseason game. We can't put in everything that we wanted to originally put in. So we had to st scale back things there. And like you said, we had Hasselback, and then Jake Locker was a rookie, so we were trying to mesh, mesh those two together. So it was a very unique experience. How much does that help you, an experience like that, and the college experience about not having as much time and maybe being able to have the ability to put things together quickly. Yeah, I, I think it makes you focus on, you know, maybe your core plays and, and figuring out a way to execute things and maybe run the same plays, but figure out creative ways to dress up those concepts. So, and it is very similar to, you know, the college world where there's not as much time. You only have so much time you can work with the player. So we tried to simplify things the, the best that we could with still not keeping it too simple. And, um, you know, I thought the players took to it well, and then we kept kind of pushing the limit a little bit to see what they could handle. And um, we had some success that year in offense, so it was good. Charles, when you finished at Duke, you didn't think you were going to coach, did you? I did not. I thought I was either going into the Secret Service or the CIA. That's where my mind was at, is what, what I wanted to do when I was graduating from Duke. And um, maybe two or three weeks before graduation, one of our assistant athletic directors, her husband, was one of the associate commissioners of the ACC conference. And um, she asked me what my plans were. And I said, well, I, I really love sports, but this is what I'm thinking about doing. And she goes, well, my husband is negotiating with Disney's Wide World of Sports down in Florida to host ACC events and give him, give him a call and interview with him and, and see what you think. So I, I called him, his Rick Christ, and I, I uh, interviewed with him. And he kind of wrote me into the contract. So I was the first, first intern down there at Disney's Wide World of Sports. And I started um, Really, as an intern for eight months, got hired. Then I was into kind of the, the, the working world for a little bit. And then I got into stadium and event management. So I was uh, 1999 and went to Cleveland Brown Stadium to help them open their new stadium as the assistant manager. And then eventually got hired by the New England Patriots as their director of um, stadium operations for Gillette Stadium. So I was telling Burke the other day that if we need help with the new stadium, I've done it twice. So, <laughs> so I, I can help. I, I know all the tricks of the trade. So you got good jobs. And then one day you say, eh, I want to coach. Yeah, I was probably 29, 30 years old. I mean, did you, did you think to yourself at that point, Look, I, this is what I want to do, but I can't give this up. You know, I did. There were some, it was some tough decisions to make, but I told myself, look, I don't want to regret this for the rest of my life. I think I want to coach, and if I'm going to pull the trigger, I, I got to do it now. So um, I left my job in New England, went back to Duke where I played and started as a graduate assistant. And uh, so I called down there and I said, look, I want to get into coaching. 
Ted Roof was the head coach at the time, and he had recruited me out of high school to Duke. And then he got the head coaching job there, and I said, you know, I'll do anything. And they had a recruiting GA position open. So if anybody knows anything about a GA spot, oh, you don't get paid. Especially it's a, stipend. a recruiting GA. Recruiting GA. Oh. <laughs> you don't get paid. It's really a stipend. You got to go back to class. I was 30 years old. You got to go back to class. I was in class with 18, 19, 20-year-olds. And then there were a couple of days I'm like, what am I doing? But my passion for football, you know, just kept driving me. So I GA'd there for two years. And then my third year there, I got, uh, got hired to coach the running backs and kind of been in, in coaching ever since. And you ended up in scouting at one point with I, the Eagles, yeah, right? I did. I did. So I was a quality control coach for three years, 07, 08, 09. And then in 2010, accepted a pro scouting job uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. And um, it was a really eye-opening experience for me because it made me see things from a different perspective, from a scout's perspective, because I'd only been a coach, so I saw things one certain way. But then you got to turn around and look at it from a scout's perspective. And they're looking for, you know, height height, weight, speed traits, and coaches are looking for how can this guy help me right now, where scouts are projecting what the guy can be. So that was a really valuable experience for me, and I really think it paid off. My next step, when I went to Penn State, um, I was a recruiting coordinator and running backs coach, so the evaluation of talent really carried over to the recruiting coordinator aspect of it. What makes Mike Vrabel such a special coach? You know, I I, he's demanding, but he's fair. And I, and I think that's all you can ask for for a player. I think he's got a great relationship with the players. Um, obviously, he's been a player, so he can relate to them in that way. And I think the players really appreciate that. But he's direct and he's honest and he's fair. And that's all you can ever ask for for a coach. And I think he's a great motivator. And I haven't been with him for a season in a while since we were together in Houston. But the way he prepares the team is very unique. Introducing the new Dunkin' Rewards program. These are rewards that you can really use. Use them on free donuts, coffees, breakfast sandwiches. Then use those free donuts, coffees, and breakfast sandwiches to say everything from thanks for that thing you did to uh, my bad for that thing I did. Join Dunkin' Rewards today. <laughs> Save them, stack them, use them however you want. America runs on Dunkin' Terms apply. If you don't have the Dunkin' app, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, and if anybody knows a good food app, it's Mike Keith. And I have them all. He has them all, literally all of them. But I think Duncan well, is probably the one. Well, you've benefited from that more than once. Yeah. Uh, Mike Keith loves rewards points. I do. But I don't think that like there's. like the Kroger fuel points. Yeah. I don't think there's one you use more than the Duncan app, though. That one's a That's a the one, one I use the most. Yeah. That would be true. Yep. I don't, I don't but know. But see, the apps, I mean, to order ahead, so convenient. I mean, you are ahead of your time when it comes to I ordering don't know about ahead. ahead of my you time. are. You've been doing it years before I have. Well, you've been taking advantage of me. You're an early adapter. I'm an early adapter yeah. of the app. Yeah. I'm an early app adapter. <laughs> Let's move along. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> Tony Deuce is one of my favorite people with the Tennessee Titans. Would you agree? Yes, I agree with that. Tony Deuce comes in here, ball coach. That's what yep. Coach Max says about him. Ball coach. And he's the running back coach, and he is Derrick Henry's coach. Derrick loves him, and everybody on staff loves uh, Tony. He He's a really good on-the-field coach. He's a really good communicator. And this offseason, Mike Vrabel gives him an opportunity to expand what he does to become the tight end coach. Yes. And some – of the OT people might be listening saying, well, is that really a step up? Yes. But how many tight end coaches become offensive coordinators? A lot. Because that is the only position on the staff that is deeply involved in both run game and pass game game planning. 
everybody's involved in some, but you know, the the big part, you know, like the offensive line coach, the tight end coach, they're very involved in the run game plan. Running back coach would be involved in that. Quarterback coach, tight end coach, wide receiver coach involved more in the passing game plan. Tight end involved in both of them. Yeah. So yeah. it's a it's a step forward. As Vrabel went with the redo of the staff, he said to Tony Dews, we need you to take more. And that's what he's doing. So here's Tony Dews talking about his move and his career. And you'll understand why we like him so much and also understand, like Charles London, why he's he's got more future in his career too. Tony Dews with us on the OTP. Talk to us about how Mike Vrabel approached you about becoming the tight end coach. Well, it was uh, after the season ended, we uh, do our yearly uh, exit interviews, uh, evaluation, coaching evaluations. Uh, we sat down and he gave me, you know, the feedback, my evaluation uh, of the season, with, with, with where we were. Obviously, some staff changes have been made at that point. And he uh, just said, hey, um, I've been thinking, what, what would you think about uh, possibly moving to tight ends? Um, and, you know, we just were having some dialogue and he just said, hey, kind of think about it uh, and then we'll circle back. Um, he's, you know, he mentioned he thought that um, it'd be a good move for me, an opportunity uh, to get more involved in the passing game, have a little bit more responsibility uh, within the offense. Um, and so I did, went, kind of slept on it and we circled back and uh, I was ex excited about the opportunity. Um, you know, the more I thought about it, I played the position. So I had a little bit of familiarity uh, from that, that perspective. Uh, and then I coached it uh, at a couple different stops throughout my career coaching college ball. So uh, I was appreciative that he, he uh, thought enough of me to give me more responsibility and felt that I could help the organization in that way so uh here we are i want you to dig into that a little more for us if you would because in in college the tight end coach is coaching the guys who play tight end in the pros there's more of a scheme and you're sort of pulling everything together among the whole group right right uh what with my experience in college, uh, I did it early on at Central Michigan uh, back, I believe, 2003 or four, where I was coaching the tackle tight ends, then became tight end special teams coordinator. And depends where you are, the college game at that time. And then I, I did it again. I coached him again in 2011 at Pitt. And at that time in the college game, it was a lot more 10 personnel, a lot more spread formations. So, you know, the tight end was in and out uh, in both places. I was fortunate enough to have uh, some tight ends that were athletic and that could split out and play in the, uh, the traditional passing formations that look like four wide, but they were athletic enough where that skill set that they had fit more of that. Uh, a, couple of a couple guys were former receivers that had grown into gotten big and maybe maybe been a step slow i'm sure they'd be upset with me if they heard me say we're a step slow to be a receiver but that had transitioned to the tight end spot uh so i was fortunate to be able to coach coach it that way with a hybrid type guy as well as a true inline blocker the tight end for a while had almost disappeared from the college game and now the tight end is very much back a part of the college game 
It had never gone away in the pros, but there's even more of a use of the tight end in the NFL. Why are tight ends more prevalent, in your opinion, in the college and the pro game in 2023? Do you have a theory? Well, I think my, theory, my thought for the college game would be just those guys that are bigger receivers. Uh, for an example, like uh, Mark Andrews, when I was coming, when I was coaching at Arizona, Mark is from Arizona, and I had a chance to go try to recruit him a little bit. And he was a big receiver. Uh, and not that he was slow by any stretch of imagination, but, you know, maybe he was running high four sixes, low four sevens, I say at that time. And, you know, there, there may have been some receivers that were running faster, uh, certainly a little smaller stature. So you project guys like Mark to be a tight end at the next level in college, uh, and which he did when he went to Oklahoma and then uh, obviously flourished there and, and has had a, a great start to his NFL, NFL career. Um, so I think that's why you're getting some of the bigger receivers that are athletic and can do some things with the ball in their hand. Uh, but you may have some guys faster. So why have those guys sitting on the sideline when they can be out helping you in, in, uh, in some other ways? And then um, in college, they also aren't, they aren't asking them to block at the end of the line of scrimmage or at the point of attack um, like like these guys are in the NFL. And so my experience when I got here, um, although coaching running backs, obviously I watched Art uh, do his do do the job that he did here. Um, and then the guys that we had on the roster. So it was seeing something completely different, uh, the usage of the tight ends and the different uh, packages, whether we were in 12 or 13, some 22 stuff, and just the uh, job that, with the group that was already here, and for me, from the outside watching, how uh, Art and then Todd eventually, how they took those groups and really utilized that personnel that we had, and, it, and we had a lot of success with it, and obviously you see the success that uh, we have um, as Matt was here, and then we transitioned to Arthur and, and his effect in the run game, the play action pass game, and all those things, those guys that we had here did a great job. Your guys are so different. I mean, every tight end is a little bit different in different ways. Is that an unusual thing about coaching this group? For me, I, for going through it the first time, I really don't know. I just know what I, I know who's in there, and they all do have a different skill set, which uh, is a great challenge as a coach that I get to be involved. And I think that's the, the beauty of coaching the, this position is Tim's going to do a great job, just like uh, the guys that were here in the past have done in terms of how to use those guys and how to use them according to their skill sets. So it's a challenge. It's a great challenge for me and an exciting challenge to be able to try to figure out what they do best. Obviously, you're trying to make them all a complete player and be and to be able to play in every situation. But we'll eventually, as we get in the game plan, we'll we'll kind of hone in on each each individual guy and what their particular skill set is to help us as an organization, help us as a team, and then we'll put them in the best spots to help them have success and, and be successful as players. That's the beauty of coaching, right? Yes, yes. It's uh you know that's Coaching is one of those things where, I, like, I'll, I've always felt like, sure, I could go out in the real world and, and, and work in corporate America probably, but 
the thing about coaching, I, I love, you know, the re- you can ca- you can have an idea of the result of your job every day. When I walk out of the building, it's either been a successful day or it's been a long day, but you know the result. It's not like, okay, I come in, do my work at five o'clock, the bell rings like on the Flintstones back in the day that, that <laughs> horn blows the horn, and yeah. I'm out of here, you know, and who knows what happened that day. If I finished the task or not, I'm leaving, work day's over. It's not that way here. You can kind of see the result of your work every day when practice is over. So that that's the fun part, the challenging part. Some days it's, it's you, you, you know, that in coaching you say it's never as good as you think it is, never as bad as you think it is, but you can walk out. There's some days it went really well and you're at home and you don't think, you, you know, you think about, okay, this, that. But the days when it's bad is when you're staring at the ceiling at 2 o'clock in the morning trying to figure out, what I have to do to get guy X or Y to do what we need for him to be successful, but then ultimately uh, for the team to be successful. Who's your biggest influence in coaching? Uh, Calvin McGee. Calvin, uh, ironically, um, this time a year ago, he passed away. He had a heart attack um, last year, and he was buried um, the Saturday over, over Memorial Day. Um, so this is this has been a... A little bit different week, um, but but Calvin was an unbelievable influence. It started out uh, when I met him at West Virginia back in 2000. It was more um, like a a, a father son because he's ten, he was 10 years older than me, um, and he got me into it. And and the one thing Calvin said to me right away when he met me was just be yourself. And he always just saying coaching because you get frustrated about something not going well or. You worried about something, he'd say, be yourself and let your work speak for you. And, you know, uh, we we went from, we grew in that relationship from kind of a father-son type figure when we were younger to we became more like brother. Went from boss, GA, to father-son kind of feel to eventually, you know, he really made me feel like I was an equal. We were on the same field, playing field, and he would come and, you know, and then he got to a point where he'd ask me stuff and take my input in terms of what we were doing schematically. And then when I had an opportunity to come to the NFL, um, you know, he was always interested in what, what we were doing. And um, and it was it was that was a, it was it was an awesome thing to 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 grow with each other in that way. And that, you know, if you were going to get the respect of one person in the world, he was a guy that I, I really, really enjoyed that he respected me as a coach and saw me as an equal. You played tight end, you've coached tight ends, you've coached wide receivers, you've coached running backs, you've coached special teams, you've coached linebackers. What am I leaving out? Defensive line. You've coached defensive line. And then when I was a graduate assistant my first year in college, I was uh, I worked in a secondary. I so for those of us who don't know coaching, we're like, how do you do that? How do you... How do you learn to coach all of those positions? And doesn't it take somebody that has some pretty special talent to be able to do it? Well, I appreciate you saying that. I think first and foremost, coaching is teaching, right? Um, and I enjoy teaching. Uh, I enjoy learning. And you know, I think the biggest thing is you have to be a, a lifelong learner. And uh, one of the things that uh, Art brought to the table a couple years ago um, when we came back, it may have been all in 19 when he took over, but he always talked about having a growth mindset. And then I think I read a, a book, I think it was Carolyn Dweck, I may be mixing the authors up, 
Because one of them wrote grit, and the other one I read was mindset um, or having a growth mindset. And that, for me, you know, the thought of always being a, a, a lifelong learner is, is big because you can, as someone once I heard say, or my mom maybe said, is when you stop learning, you might as well die, right? Um, so we can learn something every day. We can learn from somebody, you know, um, I felt like I, I don't, you know, I've grown around some people in coaching that you don't have to be the smartest people in the room, uh, smartest person in the room, um, because you can learn from everybody. And then, so for me, it's, if, there, if there's an opportunity to coach another position, go do it. It's, it's, all, it's always helped me continue to climb in a profession. And it's, it's taught me to go rely on other people. Um, you know, you can cheat in football, I always say. So if I'm going to coach the tight ends or I'm going to coach the running back, came here and coached the running backs, I called on people to ask them what they did. I called other coaches after my first year in the league. I called, I just got on the phone and started cold calling people that I met at the combine and see if they'd share anything with me, you know. Um, so it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's whether I pick Arch Brain, Todd's Brain, Tim downstairs, uh, watching film, like it, it was great you know, doing evaluations for free agency the first time. And really, you know, you watch 10 or 11 tight ends and you watch two to 300 snaps of each one of them, you start to kind of see patterns develop, watch our own guys. Obviously, Chig, Chig uh, did a really good job for us last year, Swain, Hoop. So watch our own guys and, and kind of the Raider. So the guys are here, just watch film, talk to people, and then kind of put your own spin on it and go for it. When I think about sayings and I think about you, I heard a saying from a football coach once is there is an edge out there and the edge is attitude. And you have that attitude. You're one of the most fun coaches I've ever been around to watch do your job. It seems like you just love everything about it. When, you, when you're on the field, it's the best part. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And it is. It's, it is fun being out and being around players uh, and again, that's kind of your test. When you get to go out on the field, that's the test, right? We've been in the classroom. We've been in meetings. We've installed. Now we get to go out on the field. And I, I get such a gratification from seeing, seeing people in general succeed, whether it's my own children or the people that you work with, the people you coach. It's almost like, like Christmas. I would rather see the expression on my kid's face, my wife's face, your face from something I give you as much as I would want it, like my kids, I was like, you don't ever want anything? No, I, I, I don't want anything. I get more joy out of seeing others be happy, you know? And so when a guy has success on the field, is you know, it's just a joy, you know? And I come in this building every day kind of approaching, because there's some, there's some rough days, there's some rough nights, but I always think about the day uh, Coach Vrabel called me and offered me the job, or the night that he called me when I was sitting in that hotel after I interviewed, and just the excitement. And so when you go through a tough time or a tough moment in this situation, I have to think back to how, how I used to look at the guys in the league when I was in Division Two or when I was coaching high school ball. And, Man, I wish I could be there. Well, now I'm here. You know, and it's you're living a dream every day. You know, I, I can get up out of my bed and the good, good Lord has blessed me with another day of life. I, I have breath in my body. So take advantage of it because, you know, as, as I mentioned, Calvin passing away, I, I would have never thought he'd uh, pass at 59 years old. So 
even that has made me think, you know, uh, shoot, I, it won't be long. I'll, I'll be 59. So hopefully I'm still It'll going. It'll be a while. Yeah. It'll be, you're not that close. How hard was it to tell Derrick Henry that you were changing positions and wouldn't be his position coach anymore? It wasn't hard um, because Derrick and I have been, you know, work, we've worked together alongside each other long enough that we've had discussions and, and um, I'm not, you know, I've told him about my goals and aspirations uh, to advance in this profession. Uh, just like he shared his goals and thoughts, what he'd like to accomplish in his career. Uh, and so things like that. So he, he understands where I want to go. Um, and so when I told him, he, he was excited for me. Um, and, and obviously we're still in the same building, so we'll see each other. I'll pop in that, in that meeting room and holler at him every, every now and then. We'll be out there on the field. Um, and so even though we won't be in there every day together, we'll still, he's still here, I'm still here. So we'll still have our times to interact, and I'll be able to check on and make sure he's doing okay, and I'm sure he'll do the same. But Tony Dews never minded being known as Derrick Henry's coach. Absolutely not. You know, good players make good coaches, right? <laughs> and sometimes we make this thing too, too complicated. Derek has been an absolute uh, joy to coach. Um, and it was fun because we kind of got started together here. You know, I know he'd been here and he'd had some success, but then he became a full-time starter. He accepted that role. You know, it, it was some challenging times for him prior to uh, where he is now. But he, he never blinked, he never pouted, he never complained. He just did what, whatever we asked him to do. And, you know, good things happen to good people. And I, and I always, anybody have a chance, when I talk about Derek, I, I quickly divert from the football player and let people know that Derek is a better person than he is a football player. And so that's been the, the greatest thing about coaching him is, is that he is, a, he is a great human being, and he'd give the shirt off his back to anybody. We are just talking to Charles London about it. Uh, you both got to go to the to coaching accelerator for NFL coaches in Minneapolis. What was that like for you, Tony? It was awesome. I, I, I appreciate uh, Coach Vrabel, Miss Amy, uh, and Rand giving me an opportunity to go uh, for a second year. Uh, it was loaded with information, uh, quality information, really good information. Uh, it's awesome that the league is um, making, a, making a push or have, has an initiative, has a plan to continue to help create diversity within the league. Um, and so to see the amount of people that are interested in helping, to see the owners that I had an opportunity to talk to and meet, that they're um, working to uh, continue to create diversity within the league. It's just it's, it's a lot of people coming together for, for the same reasons. And so they're educating us. It was a very educational experience. Like I said, it was an opportunity to meet other coaches that have similar uh, aspirations as myself and Charles. It was, it was an awesome time to uh, just network with those guys because someone in that room is going to be a head coach. And if, a, if an opportunity or a door opens that way, great. It was, it was, it was um, really, really uh, a good time uh, meeting, the, meeting and t not just meeting, but having to be, being able to sit down and talk to the owners. And you realize that they are, we sometimes we put them on pedestals because of their positions in, in, their positions in society or, or life and the success that they've had. But 
it's it's really awesome to know that they they are just as down to earth people as we are, and sometimes we get afraid to go talk to them, but. You know, here it's not that way because when Miss Amy and her family comes into town, she sits down in the cafeteria or whether she's out on the field and she interacts with all of us and, and her and Bill and Blanche and all that, Kenneth, Barclay, they all come and they all are available to us and accessible to us. Um, so that, 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 that was really fun. It was, it was good. It was a, an action-packed two days. And, uh, but, but I'm, uh, it was a great opportunity. Get, glad I got to get back and get in, get on the field and practice a little bit. Tony Dews with us on the OTP as we remind you on the OTP that SeatGeek is now the official ticketing partner. Wait a minute. SeatGeek is also the OTP of the Tennessee Titans. Official ticketing partner. Oh, my God. I was wondering how many times you were going to say OTP in 30 seconds. Woo-wee. SeatGeek is now the official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. The deal is finalized. SeatGeek is the newest member of the Titans family. If you haven't heard the name yet, what are you doing? Come on. SeatGeek, say it out loud. Get used to it because you'll be hearing it a lot more this season. SeatGeek, whether you're buying or selling tickets to a Titans game or any live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. I love their tagline, Seat Geek. So Titans fans can fan. fan. Yes. I like that. It is good. It works. Yeah, it is. It's clever. It's very pithy. Yes. And catchy. Yeah. It's also short. short. I like a short tagline. All right. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and review. Yeah. Leave us comments. We like with, those. With the OTP. Yeah. Download Mike, it. Mike Vrabel next week. If you don't want to miss it. If you're not a subscriber, then you need to know you would have it late Monday into Tuesday. So you'll wake up ready to enjoy July 4th with the Mike Vrabel OTP already loaded. So you could drive the mower, you could drive the boat, you can get your workout in, whatever you do, and the head coach is right there. Yeah. you want, If you're not subscribed, now would be the time. Now would be because the time. Because you don't want to miss that one because Mike Vrabel – I mean, always brings the heat. He brings the 100% heat. A hundred percent of the time. We are expecting heat. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So, yeah. And it's in time for the fourth, so you're not going to remember anyway. So maybe you're out barbecuing. Because you're busy. And they yeah. send you outside to be on the grill, and you can put the old ear things in, and you can... Play it out loud. And you, or Let you the people know. Let the people hear it. Yeah. Sing it. Put it, put it over the speakers at the pool party. Let freedom ring. Let Vrabel sing. Whoa. That's almost better than so Titans fans can fan. <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? That was it? awesome. Wow. <laughs> Again, Mike Vrabel on the OTP next week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have a question for us, go to TennesseeTitans.com slash OTPQ. Leave your question, and we will respond. Yep. For Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith, and this is the OTP. OTP.